Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, joined by John. I'm in snowy Vegas, Ronaldo. Hey, John. Uh, yeah, it's snowing in Las Vegas as we're recording this. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. This is the second day of snow we've had this week. Uh, and everybody I've talked to said this rarely happens, like this much snow in you know, once every 10 years. Now, for those of you who live in snow country, don't laugh at us. You know, it's not sticking on the ground. It's not sticking on the pavement. It's sticking on the grass and everything. You know, but for us, it's a big deal. This is not something that, that we're used to and the kids are having a blast with it. The big thing this morning was wondering, like, are they going to close the schools? Are they going to close the schools? I turned to my wife, who's a Catholic school teacher, and I said, if we close the schools today, we would be the laughing stock of the Midwest and the East because they would just laugh at us because this is like nothing. <laughs> no, 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 no. You would not no? be the laughing stock. Um, Atlanta owns that one um, because oh, really? snow is down in Atlanta. Like things shut down. People go, it, like, I remember years ago there was, um, you know, a little bit of ice and, and snow that came into it. And, and the thing is they don't have plows, right? So of course it's going to be bad. But there was a scene of, um, I'm trying to remember the highway that, that goes through Atlanta with all the cars just, you know, stopped and, and backed up. And then they showed a scene from the opening sequence of The Walking Dead, and, uh, <laughs> which takes, uh, took place in Atlanta. And uh, they looked exactly the same, you know. And, um, That's great. and so it was basically apocalyptic for them. But, you know, like we had snow here yesterday in Baltimore. And from the picture that you showed me, John, um, we, we close down our schools and we have plows and we have salt and we just have people who are too worried about liability. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as people who watch me on CYM live, when Michael brings us up about snow knows that if you talk to me about school cancellations and snow days, I go banana, uh, bananas <laughs> on that. So, um, we are, we are gonna, uh, we can talk about how wonderful snow is. We can talk about the time we have snow days that we enjoy it with our children, but let's not talk about whether or not snow days should exist uh, when you live um, in the mid-Atlantic um, desert or south, uh, because <laughs> I think then that's a whole different sort of scenario. Well, we don't have salt and we don't have plows here in Vegas. Now up in the mountains we do, which aren't that far away. Right. Um, but of course we follow, our Catholic school follows whatever the, the county does. And so right. the county says schools are open. So we're like, schools are open. So That's I, great. I drove my whole family to school. I drove my wife to work and my kids to school in the snow. And it was very fun. And, uh, I, I suspect by the end of today, the snow will be gone because the snow is going to turn to rain which is just going to melt the snow away. And, and right, so right. I would suspect we've got nothing left by the time evening rolls around today. So. But, you but know, it's it cool. Makes, it makes great writing weather, you know, like just with the snow in the background and, you know, at my computer and writing and everything like that. I love that. So, well, that was my day yesterday and it wasn't snowing today. I actually have to go out and have meetings. So, Oh man. Uh, well, yeah. Hey, make sure you get your snow tires on and if you have to put <laughs> yeah. jeans on, you know, that's totally cool. Um, bring an extra blanket. Um, you know, make sure your battery is fully charged and uh, in your car and you should be fine. You, you'll be okay. You know, just steer into the, the skid, you know, if you skid out and everything, you should Spoke, be good. Spoken from someone who has experience. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. 
Um, but yeah, no, I mean, as we're listening into it, we're transitioning into a new season of, uh, the church, uh, you know, Lent and everything. And, um, people usually make Lenten sacrifices and, uh, you know, John, have you thought about your, uh, Lenten sacrifice? Do you do that? Or do you just uh, try to go deeper into your spiritual habits that you already have? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I, I really, I try to do more, um, <clears throat> instead of less. What I mean by that? I mean, I use it as an opportunity to really um, see how I can deepen my faith and spiritual life. And so usually for me, it's being intentional about fasting. Uh, not only does it have good health benefits, you know, but also um, it's a sacrifice and it's hard. So, um, and, and, and I get really hungry. So that's a big piece of it for me, but also it's like my prayer. Like I'm really 2019. I'm really trying to challenge myself in my own prayer life. I would say that's probably an area of weakness for me in terms of, uh, do I communicate with God regularly? Yeah. Is it intentional? Mm, probably not. It, mm. And it's okay. I think for me, it's okay that it's accidental, that it happens. And, and I, when I'm in the car by myself, I have these moments, I'm inspired to like have a conversation with God. But how do I take that to the next level? And how can I be more intentional about it? Just this year, I started a new practice on on the rosary and I've always had rosaries. I've prayed it every once in a while, but it wasn't a regular part of my practice. Um, different podcasts and different books I've read recently have encouraged me to take that on a little bit. And so uh, <clears throat> now that I'm flying a little bit more, one of the examples is the first thing I do when I get on the first leg of my flight is I will do a rosary mm. uh, and, and just dedicate, you know, that prayer to, my the the plane everybody on the plane the the pilots that are are flying it the flight attendants and wherever i may be going to to speak or do whatever and so um that's been really healthy for me and there are times i get on the plane it's like oh i don't want to pray the rosary like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this right so so just trying to be intentional about little stuff like that so i don't give up much anymore because i one time i gave up chocolate that actually made me a worse person um, and yeah, did not make yeah. me a better person. So I said, I'm never doing this again. And then the next year I did the same thing. And I said, why did I give up chocolate again? So I'm not giving up chocolate anymore. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I can relate to there have been times where I've given up stuff and I'm like, oh man, this makes me more of a jerk. But um, yeah, like you, I, 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 I'm picking up journaling more, um, you know, quiet time journaling. Uh, I used to do that much more. Um, and then I went through a period where I just got too busy for it. Um, and which is a bad excuse. And, you know, for me, it's just getting those thoughts on paper. It's allowing, you know, God to help me process the spirit to allow me process what's going on in my mind. You know, it's kind of like, if you think about it, your, your head, your brain can be like a room that over time can get cluttered, uh, rearranged and, you know, journaling is just rolling up your sleeves and, and going into the cleaning mode for that. So, yeah. so I think it's good. Yeah. Um, and also having these spiritual habits, I think, are important because they prepare us for, um, you know, uh, sometimes the, the challenges that life brings and, and the road that uh, is ahead. And uh, as much as it would be good for us to talk further about this, we are going to talk about something I think is a challenge, something that, you know, we don't often um, talk about in church world, at least in a constructive way. And uh, we have had a podcast about this subject before, but we're changing the perspective. And, and so what we've what we want to talk about today is what happens when your pastor leaves or the transition of a pastor in or transition of a pastor out from the eyes of the congregation. 
So, you know, for those of you who are lay ecclesial uh, staff or key volunteers or pastoral council, you know, or parish council that's listening to this, this is kind of like, what, what should we do as a staff uh, to help the transition of a new pastor, not for the pastor's sake, but for the congregation? Um, so, uh, John, honestly, I've not experienced this as an employee. I've experienced this as a parishioner before. Um, I don't know if I shared this story, but when I was in high school, um, my pastor, <clears throat> Monsignor Mann, went away on vacation and had a massive heart attack, dropped dead. And, <laughs> and so it wasn't even like he was removed or moved or transitioned. He just died. And, um, and so there was that tragedy there. And we had a great associate pastor, Father Richard at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, what was interesting is as a child, I remember they're like, oh, Father Richard will become our pastor. But what they did is they brought in a new pastor, um, Father Pat. And uh, Father Richard was later transferred to another parish where he became pastor. Um, but it was, a, I remember a very hard time as a, as a parishioner um, to kind of deal with this fact that this leader we had had left or was gone and that this new pastor had come in. So that's my experience when it comes to pastor transition as the parishioner. Um, how about you? Have you ever experienced this before? Uh, not as a parishioner. I mean, as a parishioner, but I was also on staff, okay. you know, uh, with this circumstances. Uh, and so I have dealt with it a handful of times as a staff member. Well, and actually, now that I come to think of it, there was one moment that I was kind of a half parishioner and there was a transition. <laughs> so that's a whole other story that maybe we'll get into. So, but yeah, you know, it's really interesting that I think there's, there's also two ways that you look at this. There is the pastor who leaves, who is beloved. Mm -hmm. And there's a pastor who leaves, who is far from beloved. And, and I'm just being honest, like, honestly, yeah, yeah. that happens. And I have experienced both uh, mm -hmm. and, and what that experience is like. And, and, and as a staff member, having to deal with feedback unsolicited most of the time from parishioners about a, a pastor, you know, who maybe wasn't doing well and, and kind of how to handle that situation and, and try to navigate that was, was actually really challenging as a staff member to be able to balance being able to serve my pastor and my staff uh, uh, and also to serve and be responsive to my parishioners. Mm -hmm. And it was a real, honestly, as a staff member, I, I was stuck in a very, I would say a very difficult situation in terms of just managing expectations. I, I work for the pastor. My job is to serve him, help him succeed uh, in his role by me doing my role as best as possible. Sure. You know, but you know, when, when you have a relationship with parishioners and they come and tell you what they think about, you know, X, Y, Z pastor, like that was for me, that transition period was very, very difficult for me to navigate. And I don't think I did it well at yeah. all. <laughs> well, well, and let's, let's talk about that for a second because it's, it's relevant, but it also expands to other areas where um, basically um, let's, uh, what do we do as staff people when parishioners come to us to talk about our leadership, right? And I think the number one rule of thumb that I've always learned and has always worked for me when I do it right is you never, you praise in public, but you critique privately. So if my pastor makes an unpopular decision um, and people come up to me about it, um, you know, unless it's my wife, you know, my wife's one exception of this, 
and my wife is good. She never really does ask me about that stuff. Um, I say, you know, I say like, Hey, listen, you know, there's a lot of wisdom or, you know, decision-making or work that goes behind his decisions. So, um, you know, I, I think, uh, if you've got an issue or something you want to address, you need to bring that to him. Um, and if I have a problem with a decision my pastor has made, then it's bringing it to him in person. Right. And, and so bringing that to the case where say like you had a really good pastor or a really bad, if it's the case of a really bad pastor leaving, right. Parishioners are most likely going to come to you to lament about it. If it was a really good pastor who's leaving, they might come to you to lament about the diocese, right. For, for making that decision to leave. So in either case, I think it's best to say like, listen, you need to bring it. If you have an issue, you need to bring it to them um, or you need to bring it to them because I'm, you know, um, I can, you know, make sure if, if you're not heard, I can encourage you and give you tips on how to go and, and speak to them. But like you bringing this to me, I don't have that power. I do not control whether or not a priest stays or leaves, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it's interesting going back to my experience where I was, I was a half parishioner. <laughs> basically what I say, explain, uh, if you I mention it one more time you're gonna have to explain. i know i'm gonna explain it right now basically <clears throat> what at that moment in time i wasn't working for any particular parish i was involved at, at i was working at catholic charities at the time but i was uh i was kind of attending two different churches you know during the um, time at two different catholic churches and we were kind of going back and forth you know because they fed us in different ways and, and we loved each of them in different ways so that's what i mean by half parishioners i think i was registered i don't even remember what just I was say you were church shopping. So i was yeah. no i wasn't i we had already settled that like we settled on two churches instead of just one so <laughs> anyways but what was really interesting is you know talking about this pastor who was very beloved uh and who and who was assigned to leave uh, people were really upset, you know, to your point of what you were just saying. And, and people didn't know how to handle it. And part of it is because this particular pastor had only been there for six years. And there was a full expectation that this individual was going to be there for, for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, the, the whole thing came as a shock to everybody. I mean, yeah everybody was shocked i would say including the staff and including including that pastor himself who was transitioned you know and and i think it was an interesting time you know for everybody it's like and nobody to your point chris what you were saying nobody understood why they were doing this everybody felt like the parish was on the right track you know they, they had no at that point they had no idea who was going to be assigned there they just knew that a transition was happening everyone was like what you know and and when the staff is in the middle of that, that's a, it's, I think it's just a huge challenge. It's like, how do you navigate that? You, you know, because you were saying, we, we don't have any say in that decision, which is absolutely right. We have no to say in that, in that decision at all. And I don't envy the clergy personnel boards at any diocese that tries to figure out what gifts and leadership it needs at, at, at parishes across the diocese. It's a giant puzzle, basically, and, and, and the clergy personnel board and the bishop have to figure out like, how to best make that puzzle fit together. And there's all sorts of things to think about from language, you know, and, and do they have, you know, multi, you know, English and Spanish masses? Well, then we got to make sure we have those individuals there. Well, this parish is struggling and needs someone who's good with administration or fundraising. Like, I just can't even imagine what it's like to be part of that conversation. So I have huge sympathy for bishops. 
and the clergy personnel board or the vicar for clergy who have to make those decisions and i don't envy their role at all yeah yeah and you know uh, because this is the church podcast not the diocesan podcast i think like you know for us to say this is how we would do that um like we might have wisdom in it but like then again there's so much more than you and i know um and so what we can talk about though is what we can do uh in in those situations right and i think one of the you know you talked about how people are upset even if it's a, a positive move you know for the parish i think you have to allow people to lament to express and as staff members we just have to listen and and then you know if someone comes up to you and just like i'm so glad father Fa father so-and-so is gone or i can't believe they removed father so-and-so you just be like hey you know what thank you for sharing that with me you know just if you want to pray about it we can pray about it together um you know and uh you know one of the things that uh, uh uh we can just take faith in is the fact that you know you care so deeply about it you know don't try to fix the problem for them don't try to you know come up with a resolution just thank them for you know sharing and lamenting and give them that permission to breathe now if it's something where it carries over as the new pastor comes in and it becomes hostile <laughs> that's when you might need to say like all right listen you know i understand and appreciate that you're upset but like let's give our new pastor a chance or let's give our new pastor uh, some support um it doesn't mean you're betraying the old pastor by any means but let's give him that support but initially when it's announced as it's happening i think we just have to let people mourn um and and express how they're feeling about the process um, and we have to give ourselves permission to do that as well. And it's probably not best to do that with the parishioners, but to do that within our deaneries or our, you know, um, our diocese in, in um, you know, talking to your diocesan director, um, you know, because that's one of the roles, right? The diocesan director uh, has is support to those uh, different staff members. Um, you know, as a staff processing it together, I think is very healthy. You know, if you have to bring someone from the outside to do that, I think that that is key as well. Um, but you need to, I think the first thing is to allow people to express who they are and re realize that how people move through that transition is gonna be different. Yeah. Everyone's gonna want you to validate their opinion and, and they're gonna want you to be on their side. Mm. As a staff member, I think it's absolutely essential that you don't. Don't pick sides. Don't, don't share your feelings, as you said, Chris, with the parishioners. Really just listen and be there for them. And you, if you have a strong opinion about the transition as a staff member, you need to find the right people to talk to. But, but we, you can't go to one side or another. And this was a mistake that I made. That I think I, I was too quick to agree with parishioners mm. uh which then uh, led them to believe i was quote unquote on their side and in agreement with them and therefore i would do whatever i can in terms of my influence to help the situation and uh and, and the reality is you know that put me in a very difficult situation you know and it it, it was horrific for me you know but you cannot validate you cannot be on one side or the other you have to remain neutral i mean you really yeah. do in public you have to remain neutral because you don't want to tell the parishioner yeah i really love this new this old, old guy and, and the new guy I, I i've heard terrible things about him well you're gonna have to work with that new guy right or even vice versa right you know you you, you have to continue working 
in this circumstance, in this environment, you know, and you cannot, you know, just bemoan a decision that was made. You really have to be neutral and use the right places to, to allow your emotions to come through, which is at home with your family, with your, your spouse, with the Dasis and director Chris, as you mentioned, but don't mm. pick sides because you're going to get yourself stuck somewhere along the way. Uh, and it'll be very, you're going to be in a very awkward position. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, uh, you, you, uh, a question that kind of emerged for me as you were speaking is, did you feel like you needed to um, share your opinion with the parishioners because um, it was not having that source to um, project your own feelings about it? Like, were you not processing it in the way that um, you should have, um, that you would have liked to? Or was it because, uh, you know, it's that not people pleaser sort of mentality, but you wanted to show solidarity? with uh with the congregation it was absolutely that if yeah. i i am a people pleaser if you know if you've done the strength finders test you know chris you know two mm -hmm. of my top five are very much relationship oriented yeah you know uh including my number one strength and what that means is uh, i, I want to win people over i want people to like me for better or worse and 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 i want to do what i can to 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 make that happen and so where I got stuck is it was very much me relating with the individuals. And I happened, you know, I was in agreement in, in some of the things that they were saying, you know, uh, but it was all about me being a people pleaser. It was all about me wanting to truly empathize and really be in solidarity with their feelings, which can serve me well in many circumstances in ministry. In this particular circumstance, it did not help me at all. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't remain neutral, and, and that was very. That was. It ended up being messy. Well, and, and I think that brings me to, like, my second, like, I guess, tip to help people through these sort of transitions, and uh, that's to wipe the slate clean, right? So you mentioned something before where people are like, I heard this about Father So and So, or I heard this about this priest before at his last parish, right? That he was X, Y, or Z. I think we have to always help people get the benefit of the doubt and just saying like, you know what, this is a new system, a new church. He might've been a disaster or he might've not been effective or he might've not been great or he might've been fantastic at that last church, but this is a different community. Even if it's two miles down the road, it's a different community. He is going to have to do ministry differently. And I've learned that just firsthand as a youth minister, right? I moved two miles down the road to a different parish. How I do youth ministry at St. Joseph's is very different than how I did youth ministry at Church of the Nativity. There's, I bring a lot of my leadership style to, you know, w with me, but how the programs are looking are going to be different. And that's the same thing with a, a parish priest. And we as a staff have to recognize is that we have to shut down all past reputations, not ignore it, but like kind of say, all right, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. We're going to wipe the slate clean and let's see what he says first or does first before we start uh, evaluating and critiquing and scoring him on what kind of pastor he's going to be. And that's something that's important for those parishioners so that, you know, I, I know if I was a leader, you know, or a pastor walking into a parish, I would hate to walk in knowing that I had an uphill battle to like win over everyone's approval. You know, I, you know, not that I, I would expect to walk in with that, you know, like uh, celebration and, and, you know, uh, praise, but I would love for people to come in with an open mind and be like, all right, one, you know, uh, 
what's your vision? Two, what can we do for you? How can we serve you? And, um, you know, three, uh, you know, just uh, we're, we're praying for you. You know, and I think if I heard that, not that I'm a priest or a pastor, but as a leader, if I heard those three things, um, that would, uh, that would kind of ease any of that tension or, or fear I have, you know, moving in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's about being optimistic, right? Um, look, just because you were in one place or someone didn't get along with somebody somewhere else, you're a different person or I'm not you, the person who's sharing with me right now. I'm not you. I'm somebody different. We're going to work differently together. So, um, but to, the goal really is we have to be optimistic, you know, in front of the community. And as a staff, we need to be united in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and because you're right, we set up our incoming pastor for failure. <laughs> if we, we really do, if yeah. we are not united and we start poo-pooing things. And I have seen that. I've right. seen that happen. And, and I've seen individual pastors not be successful not just because of that, okay? They had their own things going on, but that was a big part of it. Uh, and and we've got to be optimistic and we got to show the support with the community. And so praying at mass for the incoming pastor, you know, as we start to head to that transition time, having that be part of liturgy and having the parishioners know we're going to pray for this individual, even though they're not here yet, we're going to pray for this individual, make it happen. And if you're an outgoing pastor, you know, I would say, you know, it'd be really great for you to take the lead on that, you yeah. know, and include it in mass and include it in special blessings in some other way. Say, you know, we're going to support and pray for this individual as they come so that they, they are successful. Yeah. Um, and that starts to build a culture, right? We talk about, you know, church culture a lot on this podcast. That starts to build a culture of not only prayer and spirituality, but uh, of that optimistic, that positive thinking that I think is so essential when it comes to a transition because the transitions are just so full of obstacles and challenges and and we don't need to make it more difficult than it already is. You know what gets me the most, and and this is just from my own personal transition, and I know this happens with other uh, staff positions, including the pastor, is when you have parishioners come up to you to tell you the dirt of the former person, right? And I think that's another thing where we have to... um, one, challenge our parishioners, um, and two, protect our pastors, is that as the new one comes in, not to say, like, to say to parishioners, like, hey, when he comes in, welcome him, tell him you're glad that he's there, here, but don't start comparing him to the previous guy. Because, again, that puts him in, a, in an awkward position. Uh, that, um, you know, like, a, as much as that might be your percep- perception, um, it's not going to be the perception that he needs to get started because um, if he hears all this feedback of, well, the last guy, blah, 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 then that's going to put him in a situation where all of a sudden he's feeling compared to, and he's not allowed to really live out the gifts and the strengths that God has given him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, that's about expectations, right? Mm-hmm. And so what are your expectations? And this is going to sound so bizarre for me to even say this, you know, but <laughs> don't set expectations so high, (laughs) you know, and it sounds so weird to say that because honestly I I do, I expect a lot from our leadership in the church. I expect a lot from me myself Mm -hmm. in terms of how I lead. And that's just, that's part of my personality, you know? Um, But when it comes to something as, as traumatic and dramatic as a transition of a pastor, like I think we need to be realistic with our, our expectations. 
again, mm-hmm. it's all about going back to not setting people up for failure. And so, you know, when you're, when you're being the voice of the parish to the parishioners, you have to be very sensitive to that. And, and the words that you choose, the words that you say um, around expectations, around being optimistic and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't set expectations high. Don't, you also don't want to say like, oh, I know this pastor, like he is phenomenal, right? Right, right, right. That may be true, you know, but, you know, transitions are still rocky and it's a new place. So mm-hmm. um, I just think we have to, as staff, we have to be sensitive to that. Now, if, if you're a parishioner, you can do what you want, you know, but I think as staff, you have a responsibility uh, in, in support of that transition and, and be, do everything you can to make that transition successful. And that includes swallowing sometimes your own feelings and own thoughts for the good of the parish and the good of the organization. Well, and kind of wrap it up here. I think the last thing is to trust God, trust God that, um, you know, that he has the people he wants in the right places and to trust God that it might be a season of pruning. It might be a season of transition, but it's, or it might be a season of growth, but regardless that God has a plan for this and that um, God will make great things of it, you know, whether it's for negative reasons or positive reasons. And I think that's where we have to remind our parishioners and ourselves as lay ecclesial uh, staff that, um, that um, our, uh, uh, that God has a plan for this and that uh, in the end, God's plan leads to peace and, and grace and love. So uh, yeah. Yeah. So now, it, now you're asking a lot, Chris. You're asking yeah, a lot now, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now, now you're putting it on God. So, you know, not, but um, what I would say is, um, you know, for anyone going through this, it's not easy, even if it's a good move, you know, like a move that's necessary. It's not easy because everyone's going to perceive it a different way. And that's where you have to root yourself in prayer. That's where you have to allow people to lament. That's where you have to just, you know, continue to make sure you're on the same page and, and communicating and, and really walking through it together. Um, and trying to, you know, put all of that um, emotion and feeling and, 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 and everything into what God is putting out there. Um, but yeah, uh, so John, any final thoughts as we uh, wrap this uh, puppy up? Just to go back and, you know, if, if this is a topic of interest to you, go back to episode 31, the effects of a pastor transition on the parish. That's when we originally talked about this uh, before. So if you go to the churchpodcast.org, just type in episode 31 or type mm-hmm. in the effects or just type in pastor transition and you'll find it, you know, there. So I definitely encourage you to listen to that as well. Um, but yeah, again, just be neutral, listen to parishioners, support the parishioners and their feelings and find your own avenue, your own way to to express your feelings in a safe place in a safe way that's not with the parishioners yeah yeah and you know if you need help if you're in charge of parish council or staff person or you're a new pastor uh reach out to john and parish success group um because this is some of the stuff that they can help with um and uh yeah just go to parishsuccessgroup.com uh to to learn more and you might be lucky john ronaldo might be your consultant you know walking you through that and uh John's good at hand-holding. There you go. <laughs> yes, I have three children and a wife, so I'm very good at holding hands. Well, that's not what you meant. Oh, no, my bad. So, <laughs> Chris, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, not a problem, not a problem. But anyway, um, yeah, so uh, definitely check out those episodes. Uh, go to the churchpodcast.org uh, for uh, more of these episodes. Uh, go to iTunes, subscribe if you haven't. 
um, you know, leave a review. Let us know what are the things you want to talk about. What are the things that are on your mind in, in, in your church? Uh, we'd love to, to walk with you guys through that uh, process. And, um, you know, if you want more uh, uh, from, from John, parishsuccessgroup.com is definitely a place to find him. You can also find him at johnrinaldo.com. Uh, he's on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, um, at John Ronaldo. And, uh, or you can see all my pictures of snow on on all those. (laughs) You might want to wait a couple weeks before uh, you really uh, follow John because it'll all just be snow. Um, (laughs) You can follow me at marathonyouthministry.com on Facebook and Instagram at Marathon Youth Ministry, Twitter. I'm Chris R. Wesley, as well as LinkedIn. Um, But yeah, visit thechurchpodcast.org. Leave us a review, leave us comments, send us your questions. We'd love to know how we can best serve you. All right. Thank you guys so much for what you do. Um, let's, let's close in prayer. Right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this time to uh, talk about uh, something that can be personal, um, even to those of us who are on staff at a church, Lord. When we see transition uh, from our leader, from our pastor, it can be uh, kind of life-changing. It can be even a little... Uh, little uh, nerve-wracking and anxious, uh, Lord. And, and I, I pray for peace. I pray that you give us guidance um, and that as people who are leaders in the local church, uh, that we can uh, bring peace to our parishioners, that we could um, uh, help them to see that you are in control and that you have a plan. And God, we, we thank you so much for giving us a plan, for guiding us through this life and for showing us all the amazing things that can Lord, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.